welcome to Red Couch Manx. I'm Vivek Jacob, joined by Carl Mascarenas, and we are breaking down Manchester United's 4-1 win over Istanbul in the Champions League. Bruno scoring in the 7th and 19th minute, Rashford with a penalty in the 35th, Turk pulled one back with a free kick in the 75th before Daniel James wrapped up matters in injury time. Carl, a good win that now puts United one point away from qualifying for uh, the knockout stages. Yeah, you know what? That was a, a very refreshing game to watch after the drab performance against West Brom. I was extremely happy with the start. The first 20 minutes was extremely slick. It looked like whatever they worked on training was just carbon copy in the game and it was really nice to see you had a quick tempo you had Donny van der Beek playing in that DM position that we've been calling for just to see what it's going to look like a lot of good things to talk about some standout performances maybe some suspects of performances as well but all in all uh, a much needed result uh, putting us in a very strong position for the group the interesting changes that were made for this match United still stuck with the 4-2-3-1 formation Usual suspects uh, at the back and David De Gea staying in goal. You had Donny van de Beek now partnering Fred in that CDM role. You had Cavani making his first start for Manchester United up top. And you had Anthony Marshall and Marcus Rashford playing uh, on the wings. How did you assess Cavani's performance, his first start for the club? So yeah, you know what? It's when I was uh, I was having a conversation on the uh, Manchester United Facebook group for Canada, and one of the things I was calling for, and I, I don't mean to toot my own horn, is Martial to be shoved out to the left and Rashford to the right and bring Cavani in. I think we even discussed that in in the last episode as well. And so I was happy to mm-hmm. see that uh, Ole actually went for that. I thought Cavani made a massive difference in the way we attacked. There was just the one play where just goes to show what Cavani did for our team. It was the second goal, the one where the keeper made a mistake. Cavani came deep and got the ball, right? He he held it up like he's supposed to, gave it quick one mm. touch with his back to goal to, I can't remember who it was, who then passed it out wide to Alex Telles. And then as soon as Cavani made that pass, he busted a gut to get into the box, Right. Obviously, the cross was a little too far. It went to the keeper. Keeper spilled it. And then Bruno was on hand to finish it. Guess what? If you had Martial in that, in that same position, I don't think that that is even going to be a keeper mistake because he's not going to make that run. Telles is not going to pass that ball. There's going to be no goal. So I think that is a case in point of what Cavani brings. He's, he might be 34 years in age, but he doesn't look like it on the field today. I'll tell you that much. No, and just the overall sharpness, I thought going back before that, this the goal United scored in the 12th minute that was ruled out for offside for Marcus Rashford. Again, the slickness, the deft touches in the one-twos between him and Bruno that led to that tap-in for Rashford. Unfortunately, it was called offside. It shows that he can offer both sides of it, right? Where he can be involved in the hold-up play, the build-up play, and then make that decisive run into the box. But he can also be involved in that link-up play where you get those quick one-two touches that can tee up the likes of Marshall, Rashford, or even Greenwood if he gets an opportunity. 
another player who I thought was instrumental in all that build-up play and all those quick touches, the the incisiveness that we saw in United's play today, we have to talk about Donny van de Beek. Stepping into that role, I think this is something that we've wanted for some time now, to have him just slot into that CDM role. I, I mentioned on the last podcast, just give him that challenge. See how he fares. Say, hey, we're just going to go with that one main CDM, but we're going to challenge you to play uh, that defensive role as well as provide what we know you can provide offensively. Yeah, you know what? I was definitely keeping an eye. In fact, half the time when the play was going on, I wasn't even following the ball at all. I was purely just looking at Donnie's position. And it was interesting. I think if I'm if I'm being super critical, I think he can he can work a little bit more on getting into space a little faster, like wanting the ball. Then again, you know what? This is probably not a natural position for him. So that's why it's going to take a little bit of learning. But what I really like about his game was he did these little simple things that can easily go unnoticed. For example, when Fred's playing him a ball and there's a player coming to him, he shields the ball and instead of taking it on his left, he takes it on his right thereby opening up the field and then giving him more space to work with. Those simple little things where he's making the ball do the work. And then guess what? He just has a quick pass to Bruno. He's left. He's he's kept the tempo going. He hasn't slowed it down by taking a touch, taking another touch, then turning and passing it, right? This is where we we falter a lot of the time. And this is one of the, uh, the downsides when you play Fred and Scott together because they need those extra touches. And this is where Donnie showed his class. Uh, there were several other things that he did really well. I think his speed of thought is something that we don't have in the squad. And one thing that I, I definitely want to mention is that when you play Donny, especially against the likes of the bottom half team, so to speak, it could be the West Broms, it could be Burnley or whoever. I would have loved to see him against West Brom. Yeah. And when you play that 4-2-3-1 formation, if the other team is being super defensive, guess what happens? Donnie can cheat a little bit. He doesn't have to stay as far back anymore. He moves up a little f- further up the pitch. Bruno, now all the attention, instead of being on him, these players got to watch out for Donnie. Guess what? Bruno's got a little bit more space to work with. And we could have more chances of opening up a team that just wants to park the bus, right? This is what's key to this. Okay, yes. The other side of the coin, okay, if a team is just attack after attack after attack, we're getting we're suffering because we don't have that defensive cover. Okay. You know what? The manager might have to hold his hand up and say, I got this one wrong. You make the substitution. There's nothing wrong in making a quick yank either. I'm not saying it has to come to that, but I'm just giving you both sides of the coin on what can be possible if Donnie plays. And I definitely think that when we're struggling to break a team down, he has to play. I mean, I thought he was instrumental in the way United went forward. He's someone who, in that CDM role alongside Fred, he's the one who's consistently looking up, looking to play that forward ball. And to your point, I love the fact that he's not afraid to switch the play. And he'll make that quick turn and he'll be able to find that open man. There was even one play in the second half where he made a pass, quick pass back to Fred, expecting the ball back so that he could turn because he knew Alex Tellez was wide open. And Fred didn't make the pass. And I think either went to Maguire or Juan Bissaka. Immediately, Van der Beek turned to Tellez and raised his hand and apologized. Yeah. Saying, I saw you. That that was the play I wanted to make. It just didn't work out. I thought the effort level he put in defensively, you cannot have no complaints about that. 
specifically I marked down in the 40th minute, Marshall had a run. Istanbul were able to get the ball back. Istanbul are now on the counter. Van de Beek busts a gut getting back. When the cross comes in from the right side, it was a cutback to the edge of the box. Van de Beek, who is now busted all the way back into the box, he charges out and slide tackles the ball away. And then he's the one looking to set up play for United again in possession. And I thought that for me was incredible. That I thought typified his performance. Again, United did have some gaps defensively, but for his first opportunity in that role, I don't think I could have asked for anything more. In this match, again, we talk about opening up opportunities for others and taking some pressure off. No one on the pitch made more passes to Bruno than Donny van de Beek. Did you find that Fred was also being a little bit more positive, a little bit more aggressive with his passing? Do you think that had anything to do with Donny's presence? I think so. On some level, if you're Fred, you should be smart enough to think that, okay, I've lost Scott, who's usually beside me, or Matic. So Van der Beek has taken that role. If I don't play up to my standard, if I don't show that I'm capable of more, maybe now I'll lose my spot to a Scott or a Matic. Because obviously Van der Beek is showing that he needs to be in this lineup. So again, this is the point that you've raised before about competition for spots. We talk about good players, great players, raising the level of everyone around you. When someone is performing like that, it sort of sets off an alarm in your system saying, hey, I need to be on my toes as well. Speaking of uh, raising the bar, what do you think of the way Alex Tellis played? Oh, man. Another another guy, this, this is what we talked about before, right? Like the floor is so high for him already that when he puts a performance in like this, you know, Luke Shaw can take all the time he needs. <laughs> uh, Alex Tellez, as long as he's healthy, I mean, this is a delight to watch. Extremely happy going forward. No doubts about what he can do attacking. And then defensively, I thought he was a big part of United's success pressing early. I thought United were really strong with their press. And the way they were winning the ball back, Tellez, he was clamping down up the pitch and you will, you maybe might question his positioning. Oh, should he be that far up the field uh, as a left back? But when you're putting in the work like that and your side is winning the ball consistently, I have absolutely no problems with it. The other thing that we have to talk about is set pieces. His corners, again, the way he's able to deliver the ball, the flight he's able to get on them, the curve that he's able to get on them, the crosses that he's sending in, every time it's a threat every time so yeah i couldn't be happier you know it's uh, i think a testament to the how how attacking minded he is i felt sorry for him because he made so many fantastic runs and he wasn't picked out and the only thing i can put that down to is that the players aren't used to passing to the left hand side because <laughs> luke Shaw is usually you know behind the play a little bit right and i know i'm being a little harsh on luke because he was getting a little better as time went on but Man, oh man, Alex Tellez, like he does have an appetite to go forward. Once the players catch on to these runs he's making, it's just a matter of time before this guy puts some assists on the board because it's just waiting to happen. I think his one thing I was extremely impressed with is Luke Shaw, he's good at making some of those runs and usually his crosses invariably are cutbacks 
or is when he's, I would say, in that 30-yard box. Did you see how many times Alex Tellers was crossing the ball before he even got to that 30-yard box from a really deep position? And it was going deep. It wasn't getting knocked out by the first man. I thought that was something that is new to our game. And then, obviously, for the first goal, we were all talking about that Bruno-Alex Tellers connection. Well, it was the other way around this time. It was Alex Tellers crossing the ball. Yes, it was headed out. And then Bruno, man, he is not short of confidence, is he? That was a absolute rocket. Thunderbolt. What a goal. I mean, you get you, you, your team scores a goal like that. Everyone has adrenaline pumping, right? Like, especially the way they came out those first five minutes to get a goal like that. You could see everyone was at it, right? Like within those first five minutes, Rashford had a solo run. Marshall had quick feet moving. And uh, Bruno, that was a rocket. That, that was an incredible goal. And to add to the points you were making about Alex Tellez in this match, he finishes with the most crosses, the most penalty area entries. So not only was he getting those crosses in from way deep, he's still finding a way to get into the box. And then he finished with the most uh, chances created as well. So we have a serious threat on the left side. And I think when you have Rashford on the right, it mitigates some of what Aaron Wan-Bissaka doesn't offer. Yeah. I guess so. We've talked quite a bit about the uh, you know the starting lineup and some of the standout performances. For those that don't know, in the first half, uh, United took the lead in the seventh minute, and then uh, in the twelfth minute, uh, keeper made a mistake. Uh, Bruno capitalized for the second goal. He also scored the first goal, which we talked about was the rocket, and then we scored the third goal. It was a, a penalty that was won by Marcus and scored by Marcus. Uh, Vivek, were you a little surprised that Bruno didn't take that penalty for the hat trick? He's a better better teammate than I am. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, if, if we were on the pitch and I had two goals and you earned a penalty, <laughs> I would be taking that ball. <laughs> I'm going for that hat trick. And, and he's a designated penalty kick taker, so I don't know what happened there. Maybe he just wanted Rashford to get on the score sheet. That's, you know, the assist man right there. But kudos to him. That's leadership as well, right? And it's it's not about the individual accolades for him. As tempting as a hat-trick in a Champions League fixture might be, he also recognizes the big picture that, hey, Rashford sees the ball go in the net. Maybe that's something that's better for our team long-term. My confidence is sky high. I'm doing everything I can possibly do for this club. 35 appearances now for Manchester United. 34 goals created. Wow. (laughs) 21 goals and 13 assists. Yeah, that's, you know what, that's like, uh, you talk about like people at the upper echelon that usually you would associate something like that with like a Kevin De Bruyne or somebody, right? Just like in another league of his own. Well, looks like Bruno's knocking on that door. <laughs> yeah, yep. He, he's definitely taking the Canton a caller. Uh, that's three in a row for him. So he's definitely in peak form. Didn't get a hat trick with the goals, but he gets a hat trick with the Canton a caller. Yeah, yeah. I have no disagreements there. I thought he was uh, a standout performer. And I think we gave like some uh, shout outs to Donny, uh, Alex Tellers and Cavani. Now, let's fast forward to the second half. First of all, there was a substitution at halftime. Victor Lindelof was taken off and Axel Twanzebe was brought on. What did you make of Twanzebe's performance? I thought he was mediocre at best. Aerially, 
when he was going up for headers, he wasn't winning enough of them. And I thought his positioning wasn't great. I thought he wasn't using his body enough. It, it, like, it was almost like he just had eyes for the ball and not the man that he was contending with. And then, obviously, the one time he used his body, he got a yellow, yeah. <laughs> which I thought was a little harsh. Agreed. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought he was okay. The previous fixture against Istanbul, I sort of posed this question to Michael, who was our guest, Michael Singh. And I'll ask you the same question. Basically, I'm now... Axel Tuanzebe has opened the door for me to just examine him from the standpoint of the type of striker he's going up against. Obviously, it's too small a sample size to have a definitive take on anything. But just the way he's matched up with Demba Ba versus how he fared against PSG, I wonder if he's more comfortable playing that battle at the feet, being able to use his speed and being able to use uh, his physicality against people who like to run at you, as opposed to a Demba Ba, who is a bit more stationary, who is more of that hold-up type play. And so I thought maybe that that's a matchup thing, which I would like to see going forward, how he fares against those two different types of of attacking players. I think that's pretty pretty insightful, that your analysis there. I think that's definitely something to watch out going forward. Uh, I guess first things I'll say is you were being very kind on Axel by saying he had a mediocre performance. I thought he had a shockingly poor performance. I, I, was, <laughs> I, was, I was looking at the way he... The only, thing, the only thing I can give in his favor is that it's not easy to come on as a substitute at halftime to play the center-back position. Because you really got to get into the rhythm and feel out the game, the pace of the game. I thought he was at least a step behind the play for a majority of that second half. I thought he he knew that he's fast and he was banking on his speed to get him out of jail. But he was playing against a 35-year-old who who didn't use pace at all. He used his physicality. Yeah. And Tuanzebe was found wanting. Whenever there was a ball in the air, Dembaba had no problem shielding the ball and taking it away from Axel. And Axel was struggling. In fact, there was one play where all we had to do was get the ball out of the box and Tuanzebe was like panicking with the ball at his feet. I don't don't know why. And then he ended up passing it to Harry Maguire who just kind of kicked it out of play and just shook his head. He's uh, Probably if I was to read what Harry Maguire was thinking in his head, he's probably thinking like, I'm playing with some imbeciles at this point. That's... (laughs) I I was very disappointed because we bigged him up so much and I guess it's a it's a lesson for for me you know what just because a a player who's coming back from a long time out puts in a performance don't get too high because there's also going to be some lows in there and he's experiencing that right now but hopefully it just makes him stronger on the other side because I did not think he had a good performance today at all in fact I would actually put him as a candidate for the Beckham boot I don't. I don't disagree with anything you're saying. I think I was just trying to be nice to the kid. <laughs> the one thing I do think about is whether this was an opportunity for Ole to have a bit of man management in terms of managing his confidence. Yes. And you look at the previous fixture and the mistakes he made. If you give him the start and say, "Hey, I know you made a mistake last match. I'm backing you to get it right here." Does that impact him in a different way? Whereas now he's coming on with the game at 3-0 and it's almost like this is what it takes for the manager to trust me. 
Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more with you, but if I'm putting myself in Ole's shoes, you look at this game, you start Axel. Let's say there was a mistake made by him, right? And it potentially could cost us three points or a point, right? I just think that Ole, he's trying to save his own behind at this point. And he's like, man, management can come later. I think that's the attitude that he took. I definitely agree with you, though. He, he did have an opportunity. So I know I'm being harsh on Axel Twanzebe, but I do think that he's going to be better off for it, having gone through this, you know, a bit of turmoil, and he's going to come out on the other side. And I think as part of his learning curve, he should play against, he should play the next two Champions League games. Unfortunately, because he got his second yellow, he's not going to, su- going to be suspended for the PSG game, which is up next on December 2nd. Uh, and then hopefully he gets a game against Leipzig. However, that game, we're all praying as United fans that it's not going to mean much because we're, we're going to be safely through. But at the same time, playing against high-quality opposition is what uh, Axel Twanzebe needs. So for this match, you said he would be a candidate for the Beckham boot. I had a different candidate. I had Femi Gunuk, the Istanbul keeper, because I thought he was totally off it today you look at the second goal united scored i thought he made a horrendous mistake on the goal that got ruled offside and was just lucky that it was called offside you know again we talk we talk about moments that can change the match he makes a nice clean catch there united as well as they were playing and as deserving as they were of the 2-0 lead some of the chances that istanbul had it could have maybe played out a little differently. I do agree because I think a lot of the attacks that Istanbul did manage to have, especially in the second half, they were quite potent. And uh, it took some some good closing down, as you mentioned, from Donny van der Beek. It took some sharp saves from De- David De Gea. Uh, there was one way he saved uh, from Avisca in the first half. It was going the near post. It was a very sharp save from De Gea. So... Uh, I definitely mm-hmm. think it, it could have easily been a different game if it was 1-0 for a long period of time. I think that second goal really opened up the floodgates where you're kind of thinking of uh, that Leipzig game all over again where it was 5-0, right? So I definitely agree with you. Uh, I don't know if I would agree with the Beckham boot. There was another candidate that I had in mind that uh, I was not impressed at all with his performance, and that was Anthony Martial. He should be extremely worried because Cavani, fantastic showing. In his first start, Mason Greenwood came off the bench and looked extremely lively. Uh, Cavani might be upset with Greenwood because he was a little selfish, had his eyes only for goal when he could have probably passed it to Cavani on more than one occasion. But sometimes that's what you need as a striker, right? You just need to be lethal and selfish. So Martial, I thought, was lackadaisical. You could see Rashford trying on the other side. Martial played well for the first 15, 20 minutes. And then after that, kind of let off the gas. Uh, I was not not impressed with his attitude. I was not impressed with his runs. He gave the ball away easily. I don't know. I just... Something about the way he played uh, rubbed me the wrong way. And uh, I won't be surprised if he's benched for Cavani if he keeps this up. What do you think? No, I think you're perfectly valid in the points that you make. Again, he started off well those first 15, 20 minutes. But... I think there were times where he was expecting a ball into the box and it never came. Maybe there were times where Cavani with his runs 
was attracting attention and the ball was still going to him when he was saying, hey, Cavani has done the hard part. You have me open for an easy goal here. Why not find me? And so I think those things we've seen historically have impacted him in a negative way, impacted his attitude. I wouldn't be surprised if Rashford, over time, if Martial continues to disappoint, takes over that left side and then Greenwood comes back on the right. Now I will say, I was also disappointed in Greenwood when he came on. I thought he looked like someone who wanted to force the issue as opposed to just playing his natural game and just having a goal come to him. He made some good runs and then it was just such an obvious pass to make a couple of times and he still tried to force the issue and shoot and uh, you know, I, I get what you're saying with presenting the other side of it and saying, as a striker, you've got to have that sort of selfish approach. But that third opportunity, the first two, the way he didn't pass them off, immediately, as soon as he got the ball from Donny van de Beek on that counter, I was saying, if this guy does not pass the ball here, I literally, I would literally get him up. I would just take him off the pitch. I have no subs remaining, but I'm telling you to get off the pitch. <laughs> yeah, I saw him. I saw in the replay. You could see he put it. He looked, uh, took one look up, and then laid it off at Dan James, who had a a neat finish. It's easy to mess those ones up, especially when the ball is coming across you. So uh, kudos on that break. I thought once again, you know what? It all started with Cavani with his back to goal, laying it off to Donny. Donny having eyes at the back of his head, passed it first time to Greenwood, and it was it was a great uh, great counterattack, great finish. Now, before that, Istanbul did pull a goal back through Turuk. What did you make of that goal? It was a free kick uh, that was well executed. Any blame on uh, on behalf of David De Gea? Well, first off, I thought the free kick was better than well executed. I thought it was about as perfect as you can hit a ball from that range with the left foot to curl it around, to have the pace that it did, I thought it gave David De Gea virtually no shot at stopping it. And I think the people who are criticizing him are getting mad about him sort of diving backwards. And by the time he makes the save, it's in the net. It's past the line. If he dives straight, I promise you that ball is already in the back of the net. That was just a perfect free kick Honestly, <laughs> if he doesn't move, I feel like people might be saying even less because then you, you sort of just look at it even more as a perfect free kick. Yeah, I think most of the people commenting probably have no clue on what goalkeeper positioning looks like because you think about it. In the position of where that free kick is, nine times out of ten, it's a right-footed player taking that and he's looking for top top left corner of the goal. Right In this case, a left-footed player is running up to take the ball. What's going through a goalkeeper's mind? All right, nine times out of ten, he's going to cross it into the box. So I need to stand closer to the center of the goal so that I can block any header that comes in. Okay, if I don't stand there, there's a simple header that goes in and I'm going to be at fault and people are going to make fun of not make fun of me, are going to give me a hard time for not positioning myself. So what should David De Gea do? I think he did all he could. He waited until the last second when the player struck the ball. At that point, he realized, this is going into the goal. I'm going to make an effort. 
man, his reflexes were pretty good. He came pretty close to saving that, probably about like two inches. So I think he did well. So uh, all those people who are giving him a hard time uh, really need to just take a look at uh, at the whole play and what could have been because hindsight is always twenty twenty. It's It's really harsh to be as critical of him as some of the tweets I saw and some of some of the critiques that were being made, especially considering the form he's been in, including this match. He was really good in this match. He's been really good on the season. And this wasn't even, I wouldn't even call it a mistake. And so, uh, yeah, no problems on my end with that goal. Uh, but I think some problems for United in that stretch in general, the 75th to the 85th, even if you want to go all the way to the 90th, Istanbul obviously playing a bit more desperate, a bit more stretched and putting pressure on United. But what do you think United could have done better to avoid a situation like that where it unnecessarily gets nervy? I, I was thinking about this. I think, you know, a large factor in that was that we made the three subs on the 59th minute and it changed the rhythm of the game right it took in part you know Donny van der Beek is no longer playing that CDM role Bruno is no longer the aggressor making those passes it now falls a little bit on Donny van der Beek's shoulders because when the the formation was reorganized Martial was now playing in Bruno's position Martial is not the type of guy who can take that ball in the center of the 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 pitch and start to just spray it out right so you missed a little bit of that attacking intent because Marcel's also he's the type of guy that gets onto the ball so I thought that played a big factor secondly Istanbul kind of grew into the game and became a little bit more confident I mean uh, Visca had a rasping shot that hit the uh, crossbar could have could have made it a very different game if that ball that goal went in because I think correct me if I'm wrong that was around about the 85th minute or somewhere around about there so uh the, the one that hit the crossbar that would have made it 3-2 yeah yeah and it would have been a very nervy finish but you know what i i'm not gonna put a lot of stock into the 70th to the 85th minute and that's purely because of those three subs that were made ole would never do that on a regular basis he's already a very safe manager the only reason mm-hmm. he did that was because we were 3-0 up so i'm good to let that one go to be honest with you what about you if we're giving credit to Istanbul, I think it has to start with Edin Visa. I think he has an awesome left foot and he has a surprise right foot too. And we saw both on show in this match. He had some really good moments in the first matchup between these two teams. And so for me, he would definitely be my long staff, long shot. Really impressed with what I've seen from him over the two fixtures. I thought he led Istanbul's mentality in the second half of not just laying down. We saw in the Leipzig fixture how Leipzig just sort of was there for the taking and United just ran them ragged. Istanbul did not go away quietly. And I thought that started with Edin Visa. Yeah, Edin Visa was was fantastic. He did everything you wanted. Uh, He showed... That he's not just a good player, but he has the leadership quality to pick his team up and let's go and get this, right? This is something that we've been craving for at United. Something we were expecting Paul Pogba to do, right? Which we haven't found. And the guy who does it for us, his name is Bruno, right? Picks us up and let's get going. So I was really impressed with 
not only his his uh, footballing abilities but his uh, his leadership capabilities and i guess that's the reason why he's wearing the captain's armband now looking ahead united do play what i think is a tricky tough fixture in southampton what what are your thoughts going into that matchup i'm worried i'll be honest i'm worried i think ralph husentausel i think that's how you pronounce his name <laughs> i could have just butchered <laughs> it but uh, he's got his team really humming along uh, they believe in in what he's about in what he's doing with the team the formation the intent he's managed to revitalize Theo Walcott uh, i don't know how many managers have tried and failed so he must be doing something well uh, they've got pace they've got uh, rigidity they've got uh, mental toughness i don't know how this is going to go if united I, let me put it this way united need to start the way they started the game today positive attacking mm-hmm. intent they need to get that goal in the first 15 minutes because after that southampton's going to grow in the game they're very confident um and so one thing that i want to point out which i've seen now over the course of several games and if i were to use a a north american reference is manchester united's transition defense is not very good uh, you saw that today against istanbul and if it wasn't for donny van der beek busting a gut we could have been in trouble there right we saw that come to fruition against the, in the tottenham game uh and so we really need to work out how we can get our players coming back and also stopping an attack we might have to uh take a page out of pep guardiola's book and uh go with the tactical fouling where uh we don't get the card but at the same time we slow the game down where we can get set up again right so we're good in half court not in transition defense though but our transition offense though that's what that's what we thrive on yeah got it got to fix that part of it i think you're spot on with the tactical fouling i think that is something that needs to be more used uh, with united and the players and you think about especially certain situations you don't expect rashford to get sent off you don't expect marshall outside of a little slap to get sent <laughs> off you don't expect uh even bruno to get sent off and I'll throw Cavani into the mix if he's in there as well. So those are the guys I think you can expect to give those fouls. I think well, Cavani rather well, Cavani got sent off against Brazil when he played for Uruguay, so That's fair. That's fair. But I feel like in these situations where we're talking about the tactical foul yeah. and you want to stop the play as quickly as possible, you don't want to put the likes of a Fred or a Maguire or a Lindelof or even either of the two wingbacks in trouble or have them playing a lot more carefully so who has to take the fouls then it's got to be the attacking players who are taking that chance i mean we see a lot of times you know that in man city you know when david silva was there a lot of times he was the one committing the foul kevin de bruyne commits those fouls raheem sterling will commit those fouls sure. so i I think United have to be smart about that as well. Who's uh who's your starting 11 for the Southampton game? I'm putting you on the spot here. Well, Cavani is definitely playing that game for me. I think the way he performed in this match, he's absolutely earned the right to step onto the pitch first in that fixture. I think I would still maintain faith in Martial and Rashford alongside him. And then if you if you have a Greenwood cuz The good thing about Greenwood is you know he automatically slots into that right side 
and you know that both Martial and Rashford can play the left side. Mm-hmm. So if either one of them is underperforming, you take them off and then it's easy to rejig it. Yeah. And then obviously you got Bruno in there. So that's that's the front four players taken away. Bruno is a no-brainer going for his fourth straight Canton collar. Um, so he'll be in there. You know what? I, I am going to say because of the respect I have for Southampton and the manager's tactical prowess, I'm not going to even attempt to butcher his name the way you did, Carl. <laughs> I, I will probably go with Fred and Scott in the midfield as much as I want Van de Beek to play. Yeah. I think I will start with those two. And then I look at it in the second half and say, hey, are we still in position to win? Do we need to push on more? And that's where Van de Beek will factor in. And then obviously the back five, including the goalie, that stays the same for me. I I will say, you know, Alex Tellers is going to be, it could go both ways. I think he's going to be an asset going forward. However, depending on how high up the pitch he's playing, he could uh, Southampton could target him uh, on that hand that that that, that left hand side uh, and go in behind him to try and exploit the space. So I'll be interested to see how this one plays out, uh, and we'll see if Ole just tells Alex to to hang back a bit. But uh, all in all, I agree with your your starting eleven. Hart says Donny Van der Beek. Head says Scott McTominay. I think that's what Ole that's what Ole is going to do. You get the three points, and now you know the outlook is very different. Uh, you're suddenly looking up above you as opposed to down below you, right? So uh, big mm-hmm. game, big game ahead. But uh, then again, when isn't it a big game for Manchester United? That's right. Whatever fixture it is, we will be here to break it down. A reminder, we are on Twitter at Red Couch Banks. If you enjoy the show, we encourage you to subscribe and join us after every match and let your friends who might be interested know about it too. Reviews and ratings are greatly appreciated. On behalf of Carl and myself, thank you for listening to Red Couch Makes.